Praise God. We'll turn to our master text in Colossians chapter 3. We're still continuing with um, our series Greater Grace and uh, still continuing with the concept under that umbrella title, When Pride Tries to Hide. And by the way, just a little side note here, if you look at your bulletin, it may seem as though from the content of the notes in your bulletin that this might be a little bit of a shorter teaching today, but looks can be deceiving. (laughs) Because this actually might be a little bit of a longer teaching than usual today because of the points in your notes, all of those are going to be needing a little bit of elaboration on my part. So be patient with me, if you will. So let's go ahead and uh, read that master text. Stand with me, if you will. Let's read Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 25. And it says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart, with reverence for the Lord. Let let me read that again. I think I messed that that up. And uh, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, in keeping with our topic of how pride tries to hide, one of those ways that we're going to be talking about today is, drum roll please, resistance to authority. Oh, what a fun topic this is going to be. <laughs> oh, you know, one of the biggest expressions um, that, of, of pride, one of the biggest expressions of pride that this generation struggles with is that we don't like to be told what to do. And therefore, we tend to resist authority. But submission to authority, folks, is a huge part of our spiritual lives and our progress in life. And uh, it also, by the way, serves to shine a giant spotlight on our areas of pride. I first started learning about the magnitude of uh, this topic when uh, I got my hands on a uh, teaching series by Keith Moore called Submission to God. There's a picture of it right there, which we have in our library, by the way. And uh, when I I saw that title, um, I thought, oh, great, this is going to help me to... um, you know, be more self-disciplined in some of my weak areas. Uh, What I didn't realize is that entire series is all about submission to authority. It's like 10 teachings of all submission to authority and how God ordains that as faithfulness to him. So that series by Keith Moore really opened my eyes to some things. So I recommend that you get your hands on that as a supplement to uh, this series as well. So a key principle or a key verse that's going to help to shape today's teaching is from Proverbs 13, 13. And it says, he who despises instruction will pay the penalty, but the one who respects a command will be rewarded. So let me ask you a question. How well do you do under the authority of someone who's over you? That's a really important question to ask yourself because that is a clear indicator right there of a person's humility. And remember, the the name of this series is Greater Grace, Walking in God's Divine Grace and Favor. So a key principle that we've been covering in this whole series is that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So what we're going to do today is we're going to cover four areas, four different areas where God commands us to humble ourselves under someone else. So are you ready for that? Okay, four of you were. (laughs) And the first one that we'll cover is parental authority. Parental authority. Now, parents, 
You need to be teaching your children to respect your authority as parents. Hopefully you're already doing that. And you need to teach them this principle right here in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3, which our master text also touched on. Let's read it together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life upon the earth. Okay? That's a great promise right there. Now, parents, one of the ways that you can educate uh, your kids in that truth right there is simply to train them that until they're old enough and wise enough to make decisions for themselves, that your word is supreme and must be obeyed immediately without discussion. Now, let me elaborate on what I mean. When we were raising our kids, we really emphasized the concept of first-time obedience. In other words, when you hear a command, you obey it right then. And you've heard some parents um, that will give a command and their child does nothing, so they start the counting process, right? One, two, and the child is trained that by the time they reach three, they better do it. Well, listen, if you can train a child to obey your word by the count of three, you can train them to obey your word by the count of one. If you can obey your child to obey your word by the count of one, you can, you can teach your children to obey your word immediately as soon as you say something without any counting process. I remember several years ago, uh, Donna and I were leading uh, a worship, uh, a big worship event up in Indianapolis, and Hannah and Luke, our two older kids, were very small at the time, and they were with us, and they were sitting on the front row in the, in the big room where we were going to be leading this event. It was an intervarsity event for a bunch of college kids, and uh, so it was a big, you know, big room, and so we were rehearsing there with the team, and so Hannah and Luke were sitting on the front row just kind of playing around, and then they started to get loud and rambunctious and, and started to wrestle around, and I stopped the rehearsal, stopped the music, and I said, Hannah and Luke, sit down and be quiet. And they went plop, put their little rear ends right on the seat, and, and obeyed me immediately. And our bass player, whose wife was also the, uh, one of the backup singers, the bass player saw that, and he turned to his wife and he said, that wasn't so hard, was it? And my interpretation of that was they were probably having some issues with their kids obeying them, and maybe they were having a little bit of disagreement on how to handle that. Well, here's why this is important. You know, if you have a little one that's running out toward the road, right, and they're in danger, and they're not already trained to obey your word immediately, they could run out in traffic and be hurt or killed. So there is an issue here of the protection of your little ones. And so first-time obedience is a very, very important principle that we need to be teaching our kids that your word is supreme and it must be obeyed immediately. Now, that doesn't mean they won't ever have a voice. So we trained our kids that uh, when they got old enough, if they were given a command and they felt like that uh, there was more information that we needed to consider, then they could say, may I appeal? And then, in those circumstances, we could talk about it a little bit more. But even then, we had to be careful to not let our kids become little lawyers, <laughs> continuing to argue their case even after all the facts were laid out. Uh, and there were times in those instances that we did change our mind and go with what our kids said, but there were other instances where we held our ground and said, okay, well, discussion closed. And I think an important uh, principle to consider here is giving your children the whys of your instruction. Why you're telling them this or that. Um, don't just say, because I said so, although there is a time and a place for that too. Um, children need to be taught the benefits of obedience and the destruction that sin brings. So for example, don't just tell your kids not to touch a hot stove without any reasoning behind it. Once they can understand intellectually the dangers of touching a hot stove, give them the whys of touching a hot stove or whatever it is that you're trying to train them on. But if a child continues to persist in asking why questions and keep arguing their case even after all the facts have been laid out, there is a time to say, because I said so, now just do it, I'm your parent. 
They need to understand your word is supreme. Now, folks, we're talking about pride and humility in this series. And as as parents of young children, you have to understand that pride is in the DNA of your children. And it has to be addressed. As Proverbs says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it out. Okay? So doing that, good training, will help them to discern between wisdom and foolishness and good from evil. The book of Proverbs also says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is older, he will not depart from it. That's a good promise that we need to be hanging on to, especially if it looks like our kids are rebelling. So teach them this scripture right here in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, and let them know that if they obey their parents as unto the Lord, then things will go well with them. Not that they won't ever have challenges and, and problems, uh, but that for the most part, their lives will be blessed if they follow that. And I, I want to say a word to you young people who are in the room for a moment. You know, if you have parents that are doing this, um, that are training you in the ways of righteousness and are faithful to have you in church every Sunday, be thankful. God has greatly blessed you. Amen. Praise God. Now, now, young people, I, I want to say this to you as well. I want to give you a little bit of a sober warning here as well. Okay? Um, God will hold you accountable for how you honor and obey your parents. Okay? And follow their instructions. So I just want to make that clear too. Remember, this passage right here, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life on the earth. What's the negative implication of that? If you don't do that, things may not go so well with you. Now, lastly, on this point, for us adults who are no longer under the roofs of our parents, we're still obligated to honor our parents. There's no expiration date on this, okay? Don't cast your parents aside, folks, when they get older. Cherish them. Even if they weren't good parents, there's a blessing in that. God didn't give you an an escape clause in that. He didn't say honor your father and mother as long as they were good parents. There's no escape clause. He just said honor them. See, because, folks, listen, you're not a perfect parent either. Okay? You're not a perfect parent either. So do to them, do to your parents what you want your kids to do to you and for you when you're older. All right, we having fun yet? All right. Let's keep going. The next one we're going to cover is spiritual authority. Now, I bring this one up understanding that this one is going to sound maybe somewhat self-serving in some respects, and I get that. But folks, listen. I have to preach the full counsel of God as much as I'm able and not cherry pick things just because I'm afraid that there's something that may appear to make me look self-serving, all right? That's a manifestation of pride on my part if I did that. Oh, I don't want to bring this up because what will people think of me? That's fear of man and that's pride. On that note, look at the... uh, Look at the screen. This book by John Bevere, Honors Reward, is all about the concept that we're talking about today of, uh, of honoring elders and uh, submitting to authority and, and um, um, honoring those who are over you. And he spends quite a bit of time in that book talking about submission to spiritual authority. And I want you to notice the subtitle of this book, Honors Reward. Look at the subtitle. How to Attract God's Favor and Blessing which is kind of what we've been talking about in this entire series, how to attract God's favor and blessing. And the next next verse that we're going to look at elaborates on that point. Hebrews 13, 17. Pay close attention. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. For those that are aspiring to ministry, count the cost. Count the cost. Because you must give an account. That's a side note. Let's start from the beginning. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to their authority because they 
Keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Now, I want you to notice the last line of that verse. For that would be of no benefit to you. What's it talking about? It's talking about how when a person resists spiritual authority, the benefit that would have otherwise been theirs is lost. It's lost. But let's consider the positive implication of that verse for a moment. If a person is willing to submit to spiritual authority and tries not to be a frustration to their overseers, but rather a joy, there is a benefit to that. And that's why John Bevere names the subtitle of his book, How to Attract God's Favor and Blessing. You know, a pastor friend of mine said very recently that... uh, He said, few people really want to be pastored. That's what he said. Few people really want to be pastored. In other words, he was saying that in this day and age, if professing Christians even come to church at all, they'll come to hear a a teaching and then decide what they want to do with it. But deep down, they don't really want to be mentored. And they they definitely don't want to be shepherded as in directed or instructed on a personal level, and by all means, never rebuked. And I know exactly what he's talking about. I'm telling you, folks, people are fine with a pastor who is their buddy all the time. But as soon as a pastor crosses a line and corrects something, it's all over. They're usually on to the next church. And that's not always the case. I do know a select few people who have been able to receive correction very graciously and stick around. But for the most part, um, people are immature. And when a pastor crosses a line and corrects something, that's all she wrote. and They're usually out the door. That seems to be the way that it works most of the time. And folks, that's a way that pride tries to hide. Uh, Look, I'm just going to tell it like it is today because I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help us to attract God's favor and blessing, for you to live in God's blessing, okay? So I'm just going to be real forthright with you today because I want to help you. A person who cannot take instruction or correction is immature and therefore prideful. Do I need to say that again? A person who can't take instruction or correction is immature and prideful. And listen, I'm not saying any of this, by the way, because I'm having problems with anyone in the church. Quite to the contrary, as a matter of fact, I think we all get along fine. But I haven't been very direct in bringing correction into people's lives either um, because of the thing that my pastor friend said, that people don't want to be pastored. And I have found that to be true. So I wonder how well we would all get along if we were to obey the scriptures that tell us to exhort one another in love. That would be an acid test of your humility right there, wouldn't it? You know how humble or prideful you are by how well you receive instruction or correction. You know how prideful or humble you are by how well you receive correction or instruction. Now, by the way, if you're under a spiritual leader who is in heresy or apostasy, that's different. We should call out false teaching. But if God has put you under a leader who is teaching the word accurately and faithfully, who is is honestly trying to do things aright without being self-serving or heavy-handed, then this verse in Hebrews 13, 17 definitely uh, applies. And again, believe me, Donna and I feel very honored by everyone here, so please don't take this wrong. In fact, um, in some respects, I think I'm preaching to the choir on this one because you all are very, very good to us. And we want to thank you for that. Um, But I have to include this um, because this is a picture of authority that God values highly. Also, I want to uh, note here, I'm also not saying this because I'm on some sort of power trip. I know that some people that would hear a, a teaching like this would think that, and that's why more pastors don't teach on this, because it makes them look self serving. Um, I'm definitely not teaching this because I'm on some sort of power trip because believe me, folks, you have no idea, most of you have no idea the level of selfless service that a pastor has to give himself to. 
True pastoring. I'm not talking about the counterfeit kind of pastoring, but true pastoring, true biblical pastoring is anything but self-serving. See, I'm called to serve you. And the Apostle Paul, you know, wrote that he and his fellow apostles, he felt like at times that they were scum of the earth. And I know that a lot of pastors really identify with that. And folks, listen, I'm also obligated to obey this verse in Hebrews 13, 17 too. Did you know that? I've submitted myself to an, an older spiritual overseer. And in fact, my willingness to submit to spiritual overseers in the past is part of why God was able to trust me with leading others. Boy, that's such an important principle right there that you need to get. If you won't submit to leadership, the leadership of someone else, then God will never trust you with being a leader yourself. Did you hear what I said? If you're not willing to submit to the leadership of those over you, God will never trust you to be a leader yourself because everything's about sowing and reaping in God's kingdom. Does that make sense? And, and folks, listen, this is yet another reason why God has ordained the church because he wants us to be shepherded under the covering of a caring spiritual overseer. And we ignore that or reject that to our harm. People who are not faithful to a local church body and who are not under the covering of godly spiritual authority have handicapped themselves spiritually. Not that some of those people aren't saved and don't love the Lord, but they have been deceived into believing that they don't need spiritual leadership. And that's a dangerous place to be, folks, because that right there is a manifestation of pride. A person who believes that he or she doesn't need the guidance of a pastor is self-deceived. Folks, listen, pastors are God's idea. They're God's idea. And listen, that doesn't mean that we have to agree with our overseers on every little thing. Uh, There might be some minor things that we see differently, and that's okay. Um, But folks, listen, here's the thing for me. Maybe you agree with this. I don't know about you, but I want all the tools that God has provided for my spiritual enrichment. Not just some of them. I want all of them. How about you? So when I started learning about this topic right here, I was quick to obey it with the people that God had put me under at the time. I didn't say, well, I don't have to do that. No, I didn't take that attitude. Even though there were times, listen, there were times, honestly, when I felt like that I was being treated unfairly by a spiritual overseer and that overseer was wrong. There were those times, but I just submitted anyway. And you know what? God has blessed me for that. He has. I'm just trying to help you here, folks. Is this okay? All right. Well, let's go back to this image with uh, the man with his fingers in his ears, um, resisting instruction and authority. This time we're going to apply Psalm 32.9 to that image. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. In other words, don't be stubborn and difficult. Being stubborn and difficult is synonymous with stupidity, according to this verse. So be, be easy to work with. Be quick to obey what you see in the Word of God. All right, can you take a little more? All right, say this out loud with me. I'm growing up today. Say this, as, say this as well. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. All right, praise God. Let's transition here. Transition and talk about another aspect of submission to authority, and that's civic authority. And we're going to look at Romans 13. Let's unravel this aspect of submission to civic authority. So from Romans 13, uh, let's read together verses 1 and 2 says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which is from God. The authorities that exist have been appointed by God. Consequently, whoever resists authority is opposing what God has set in place. Man, and that can be applied not just to civic authorities, but all across the board. 
Whoever resists authority is opposing what God has set in place, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, what are the authorities that this particular text is talking about? Well, the next few verses in that passage gives us a little bit more insight. Let's keep reading. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will have his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not carry the sword in vain. He is God's servant, an agent of retribution to the wrongdoer. So this is talking about righteous laws and those who enforce them. In other words, police officers and judges. Now, those who make and enforce righteous laws designed for the well-being of our society are God's servants, according to this passage. And we should submit to their authority and those laws. You know, laws against vandalism, theft, assault, uh, forgery, extortion, murder, kidnapping. You know, all of those things are designed to protect people and help us to have a civil society. And a person should be punished if we violate those laws. But let's read on in Romans 13. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authority, not only to avoid punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who devote themselves to their work. Pay everyone what you owe him, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. So... I realize that taxes have kind of gotten out of control. I love what Kenneth Copeland said about the taxes that he pays because it's just exorbitant, just out of control. But he said he doesn't complain against the government. He doesn't complain against the taxes he has to pay. He said, Lord, thank you that I have the money to pay this, and thank you that I have the the level of income that my taxes are this much. And he he uses it as an opportunity to praise the Lord and thank the Lord and not grumble against the government. So when people resist police officers and commit violence and, and vandalism for various social causes, listen folks, that does not please God. Okay, It's rebellion as a matter of fact, and God hates rebellion. All the junk that's been going on in our society inciting hatred against police officers is all born out of hellish pride. And I'll acknowledge that there probably are some abusive police officers out there. You know, everybody's human, and there probably are some some bad eggs out there, but probably that's few and far between. The great majority of police officers are just trying to do their jobs and, and keep the peace and enforce laws that will help us to have a civil society. And when we refuse to submit to them, folks, and, and refuse to submit to the authority that God has given to them for our good... We should be punished if we do that. But let's talk for a moment about a government who is unrighteous, okay? So I think that's kind of appropriate and in this day and age. Benjamin Franklin said, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. So is that an accurate statement? Is civil disobedience ever okay? Well, when a government demands that a person violates his religious convictions, then yes, we're not only allowed, but indeed obligated to rebel against the government. Because of this principle right here, obedience to God must take precedence over everything else. Yeah, go ahead. You know... We've been trained, well, those of us that are old enough that we still said the Pledge of Allegiance in our classrooms when we were small, that I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Listen, if our government ever deviated so much that it caused me, compelled me to violate my religious convictions, I would have no allegiance whatsoever to the United States. Am I okay here saying that? My allegiance, first and foremost, is to God. I love my country. I love America. But if it ever deviated so much that it compelled us to to disobey God, my allegiance to our nation would go out the window. My allegiance is to God, first first and foremost. Praise God. 
So there are many examples in Scripture, by the way, of people rebelling against their government. And I'm just going to give you one. And that's Peter and John in the book of Acts when they refused to comply with the demands of the authorities of those who were in power at the time when they were told that they could not preach about Jesus. And they were punished for that. And even after they were punished, they were warned, don't preach about Jesus anymore. And they said, are we to obey you over God? They continued to resist even after they were beaten and imprisoned. Other more modern examples is that of the people who in early America who worked so hard to free the slaves and who labored to have slavery abolished. And most of those were people of faith. Uh, you know, they were breaking laws when they smuggled slaves in the Underground Railroad, but then also much work was done at the legislative level as well. So then most of our rebellion to tyrants should be the peaceable kind, if possible, attempting to make changes at the legislative level. But if that's not possible, we have to understand that obedience to God, listen, obedience to God may cost us greatly if our convictions clash with unrighteous laws that lead to our arrest. Okay? As that song that we played during the offering time, if loving God was a crime, I'd be an outlaw. (laughs) If you're paying attention, that's what the words of that song was. If loving God was a crime, I'd be an outlaw. Is your love for God strong enough to live as an outlaw if it ever came to that? Is your love for God strong enough to be executed for your faith if it ever came to that? And those are things that we do have to grapple with because people all over the world have had to ask themselves that same question from the beginning of Christianity. Is your faith strong enough to be willing to be thrown in prison for it or to even be executed for it? And increasingly so, our culture looks like we need to be grappling with that question even more. Now, the one that we'll look at next, let's transition here and talk about submission to masters or in our context today would be our employers. So the one that we'll look at now, I don't think it needs a whole lot of dialogue because I think this one comes a little bit more easily uh, for us. And I'll explain why here in a moment. Let's read this passage in Colossians 3.22. Uh, which was part of our master text. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, not only to please them while they are watching, but with sincerity of heart and fear of the Lord. So submitting to our employers comes a bit more naturally for us because we get paid to do so. But I do want to emphasize that the scriptures tell us, again, to please our earthly masters, not only when they're watching, again, but also when they're not. Be the best you can be out of reverence for God. And again, this one doesn't need a lot of elaboration, I don't think, because uh, you know, we, get, we get paid to be good employees. And if you want to keep your job, you'll continue to be submissive even when you don't like it. Amen. Boy, that was a hearty amen on that one. <laughs> Let me say that again. Maybe I can get a better response. If you want to keep your job, you'll continue to be submissive even when you don't like it. Amen. 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 As a matter of fact, that's a great example, by the way, of humility right there. Look at this on the screen. The greatest level of submission is when you do it when you don't want to. That's the highest level of submission right there. Submission isn't really submission until you submit when you don't really feel like it. Are you awake? Okay. okay, Okay. yeah, that is a good one to write down. You're right. So again, in the workplace, most people have to submit when they don't want to often. So this principle is, is familiar to us. However, these other principles that we've been discussing so far are more difficult because we don't get paid to do them, right? They have to come from a heart that's truly submissive to God. Now, those are the, the four principles right there, the four Groups of people that God says to submit to. So I want to leave you with the Ephesians 5 principle. Ephesians 5 is very similar to our master text that we read in Colossians. But the Ephesians 5 principle is this. Submission to people is submission to God. Submission to people is submission to God. 
All right? Now, I'll add that this principle is a blessing if we do it with the right attitude. Okay? In other words, if you do it happily and not in a, a complaining, begrudging kind of way, it's a blessing then. If you do it happily and without complaining and begrudging. The Bible tells us to do everything without complaining and arguing. You know, some people will submit on the outside, but inside they're full of resentment. And that's not what this principle is really getting at. Well, we're going to read a closing scripture here in a moment, but before we do, I want to restate something that I said in a previous teaching, and that's that I've uh, run into a few people over the years who've told me that I submit to God, but I don't submit to any person. Well, they don't really submit to God then, because clearly submission to God will require submitting to the people that he says submit to, very clearly. For example, God very clearly told the people of ancient Israel to submit to Moses' leadership. And if they didn't, God took that very personally and became angry with them. Now let me restate that in another way. Uh, When God puts us under someone who is there for our benefit that God puts there for our benefit, and then we resist that authority, God takes that personally. And we saw, saw that very clearly with Moses. And you might ask, well, what if that person is wrong? Well, folks, listen, all I can tell you is that you better take that issue to God. Because remember, at one point, Moses' siblings, Aaron and Miriam, thought that Moses was wrong about something, and they complained against him, and God got very angry with them. Well, why is that? Why did that happen? Because, listen, Moses was God's choice, folks, not theirs. And, boy, you got to get this principle right here. Moses was an extension of God's authority. That's a key principle. Moses was an extension of God's authority. And when those people rebelled and complained against Moses, it was the same as rebelling against God. That's why God got so angry about that. So we better choose our battles wisely, folks, because we need to understand that there are people in our lives right now who are extensions of God's authority in our lives. Who are they? Parents, spiritual overseers, police officers and judges, and yes, even your bosses, even if they're ungodly ones. Whew, we're getting excited on this teaching today. You know, as I've heard it said, a message like this may not make you jump and, and run the aisles and shout hallelujah, but if you do it, you'll shout and run hallelujah later. Because the sowing and reaping principle will be Uh, working to your advantage. All right, and uh, here's a final example in the New Testament of submission to people being an expression of submission to God. Let's read this. And again, this is very similar. Ephesians 5, I'm going to read out of right now. Ephesians 5 is very similar to the Colossians passage that we opened up with. So let's read this together. We're going to read just a few excerpts from Ephesians 5. Submit to one another says verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's a very broad terminology right there. We need to be in the habit of submitting to one another. Be meek with one another. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And I know, ouch, that's an ouchie for uh, some of you ladies. But listen, husbands, I want to talk to you very directly and, and because you know Ephesians 5 doesn't leave it there. Ephesians 5 talks more to husbands than it does wives. All right? So let's look at what Ephesians 5 says to husbands. And this is only one short verse that I lifted out of a a much larger context when it comes to the husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. That's a high standard. To love our wives just like Christ loved the church, that's a high standard. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the standard we're called to. And listen, if you are married to a woman, men, who doesn't submit to your authority, maybe, just maybe, there's a reason why that she's resisting you in that regard. Maybe 
this right here, if we were doing this, husbands, maybe it would give a reason for our wives to more easily and happily submit to our authority. Wives, I'm not giving you reason to resist your husbands. <laughs> There's no escape clause on this. But I'm just trying to help both of you, okay? Husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Indeed, no one ever hated his own body, but he nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So husbands, we actually have a, a higher standard there than even our wives do. Okay. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Your humility will be tested. Your humility will be tested. And more often than not, your humility is going to be tested by how you respond by someone who's over you. I'm going to say that again. Your humility is going to get tested. And more often than not, it's going to be tested by how you respond to someone over you. And look, being humble is not always fun. We, when we talk about humility and, 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 and submission and concepts like forgiveness, when we're in church talking about this, those all seem like great ideas until it comes time for you to actually apply it in real life. I heard someone say, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, everyone thinks that forgiveness is a great idea until they have something to forgive. That's really true. Conceptually, this all sounds wonderful. But when you get out into the real world and actually have to apply it, then it seems a bit more difficult, doesn't it? So humility isn't always fun. It will require a crucifixion of your flesh. And that's why more people don't walk in humility. Listen, as an example, have you ever felt self-satisfaction that you gave someone a piece of your mind in a forceful way? That ever felt great to you? I, I told them a thing or two. Well, it's very likely that you gave more away than just a piece of your mind. It's very likely that you gave away some of your rewards, too. Rewards that could have been yours had you acted in a more submissive way. You see, folks, listen... God is all about reward. John Bevere named his book Honor's Reward for a reason. God would love to bless you way beyond where you are right now, but he can't if your heart is full of pride. He will not bless pride, but he will bless humility. Remember, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, before we close, and I asked Donna to come up and play something. We're going to pray in it here in a minute. But before we do, I want to make another recommendation for you. Uh, Keith Moore, uh, again, I told you about his series, Submission to God, which really opened my eyes to all these concepts. And, man, he hammers that concept home. Ten weeks, ten teachings in a row, he did not let off of that thing. But then he revisits that issue Every now and then, he's got another series called God's Structure of Authority, where he dives into it even more. And we've got both of those in our library, by the way. They're CD versions. I know that a lot, not a lot of people listen to CD these days. Everything's digital. But if you have a CD player and you want to pick one of those up, let me know, and I'll get it for you. Um, uh, or you can order it from Keith Moore for free. They'll send it to you for free. Um, so this is something we really need to get a hold of and understand, folks, because if God opposes the proud, if God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, and the way we submit to the authority is the litmus test of how humble or prideful we are, we need to master this principle right here. As a matter of fact, one of the things that Keith Moore said that stood out in that, that series to me was that when... He said, when you walk in a room, whether it's a church or whether it be a place of business, a grocery store, look around for who's in charge in that place and give that person honor and deference and submission. Even, even if it's a manager at a grocery store, honor them. Yes, they're there to serve you, but they're in charge of that place, so honor them. Okay? 
this helping anybody? All right. Stand and let's pray. Hallelujah. Does anybody have any burning questions on this, by the way? I know this is a topic that is not discussed a lot in church. So is there any burning questions that somebody, somebody has? Is like, I just, man, I'm just wondering about this. I'd love to get this question answered. Bill? What do you think about speed <laughs> 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 Moving rapidly along. <laughs> No, come up, come here, here Pam. Um, I will uh, address the answer of speed limits by saying this. Uh, I do believe that we need to obey the speed limits. But I did have a police officer tell me, and he was legitimately telling me the truth, because I got pulled over one time for speeding for like, I don't know, I was doing like 12, 12 miles an hour over the speed limit. This police officer told me, he said, you know what, if, if we give you a grace period, a, a, a little a grace area, if you keep your speed nine miles an hour above what's posted, Usually it's not a big deal, and we won't call you on that. I know there's exceptions to that, but uh, I think we need to uh, we need to obey the laws of the land, even that. But there is a grace, little grace area that police officers do give, so just keep that in mind. You have a testimony? Okay. What's that? Oh, yeah. I'm still getting used to this mic right here. There you go. Um, so I just wanted to share something um, about 25 years ago I needed a job and uh, I, was, I was a single mom and so the Lord opened up a job for me and uh, it, this, was, this was before now so this was at the hospital and so I worked in administration and so I was a supportive role to the vice president of business development and so this is really a professional position and so I was um, I, God gave me the job miraculously, so I knew he put me there. And so I was at my desk one day and my boss in front of all the other staff told me what a terrible worker I was and could I not ever get it right and what was the matter with me. And so I went um, to my car uh, and I just cried. And uh, the end of the day came and I, I went home. And uh, the hospital has this huge human resource policy and you can make formal complaints if you feel like you've been treated wrong and they take it very seriously. And so I went home and I just told the Lord, I said, I, I don't know how to handle this because I was halfway intelligent, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> and so to, but to be so, so humiliated um, in front of my coworkers, it was horrible. And so I just prayed about it. So the next morning I got to work and I parked in my spot and I just cried. I sat there for about five minutes, just cried. And I said, God, help me, help me, help me to deal with this. And so I went in and I just did my job like normal. And uh, so a few days passed and I just took it to the Lord. And um, um, what I didn't know when this, the day this occurred to me, what I didn't know is that my boss's wife was just diagnosed with cancer and he took it out on me. Mm. And I took it to the Lord. And I'm, so this is just such a beautiful story because if I would have gotten my flesh, um, I couldn't have ministered to him and his wife, like God opened up a door for me to minister to him and to love him by choosing to forgive him. And um, it was so, it, at the time it happened, it was so horrible. But then afterwards, God just let me see that because I didn't respond that, that he used, I was able to be my Christian person to them and pray for them and to love them and to make meals for them and things like that, which I could have blown that completely out of the water yeah. had, I, had I reacted to the pain that, and the humiliation that I felt because it was just terrible. But what I wanted to say was about a year, because I submitted to that, about a year later, um, God moved me into a position that I was told I'd never have, and God gave that job to me. <laughs> and I just think that, again, it's the benefits of, of, of humility. Um, God taught me something uh, so strongly in that, and I share that story a lot because it, um, we just don't know what people are going through. Yeah. And so if it's your employer or someone, you know, sometimes if you, if you can die to yourself and go to the car and cry <laughs> and give it to God, He may show you something that you would never have seen before 
by submitting. So I just wanted to share that. So anyway, so thank you for letting me share that. And if you are challenged and if you're being humiliated or whatever, I, I, God doesn't love me more than you. So you just take it to Him and He'll reward you because He's the God of rewards. So thank you. That was, that's excellent, excellent. Any other questions or comments before I pray? Anyone at all? Okay, that was clear enough? Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Uh, we, oh, where? where? Steve? Yeah, come here. I, I had, I might be a little nervous because I don't normally do this or never done this before, but I had a similar situation um, probably 15 years ago. Um, started working at Cummins uh, over here in State Street in a service group and small group, new group. Um, we all started at the same time. And after a couple years, everybody else was getting promotions and moving on. And um, this kept going on. And new people would come in to the group, right? And they would get a promotion, a raise, and go to a different position. Some of them stayed in the group. Um, and I just kept working. Just, you know, I was a good performer. I was a very, very good worker, worked, did well, always got good reviews. And the director, um, noticed this because he had been there the whole time as well and when all these people would get promotions and raises they would bring in donuts right donuts at my place you know I got and 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 they would send that email to the to the building and and I would always re just reply back you know congratulations that great that's great you know so, something on, on each one and and the director had noticed this over the years, and he finally pulled me aside and said, I know you've been passed up on all these occasions, um, and it's not gone unnoticed because of the way you responded. And he said, we're only allowed to, to give out like certain number of promotions and raises, but I'm gonna go out of my way and ask for one for you. And, um, and then, a few months later, I got a job uh, working in a service group for one of the, the 95 liter, one of the biggest engines Cummins ever produced um, in the service group, which was a pretty good honor uh, for me. And, and I just really appreciated it. And just wanted to share that just, you know, to even though it's hard, you still have to respond with love and kindness and still just work hard as if you're working for the Lord and he'll take care of the rest. Excellent. That is excellent. Yeah, praise the Lord. That is good stuff right there. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You may not see it right away, but it's, it's going to come because God's faithful to his word. He's faithful. Amen. Those are good comments, guys. Thank you so much for that. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.